Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. And uh, on deck today, heavy Nebraska football with three topics to really delve into. I do got some Creighton basketball stuff cooking uh, on the horizon. Certainly a great season on the horizon, or at least expected to be for the Creighton Blue Jays. I've, I've kind of let some thoughts and some different things marinate. So Creighton fans, sit tight. I'll, I'll have some stuff for you coming down the pike here shortly. But we're going to be heavy Husker football today. We're going to talk some quarterback tiers, some rankings that have come out with ESPN and, and how they see uh, the, the college quarterback situation for each team. I have an expanded take on the number of wins needed for Frost next year. Got some some other thoughts after talking to some different people that I, I want to get into, but I want to start with this. So Athlon's College Football Preview Magazine has hit uh, the shelves, and one of my favorite features in the magazine is the opposing coaches kind of they have these anonymous opposing coaches quotes so they get opposing coaches in the same conference as the team that they're previewing to speak candidly and honestly about a team anonymously so you usually not always you usually can get some some good some good stuff not everything is is negative sometimes you get some really positive stuff but but sometimes when people are anonymous and they can just say something without any repercussions at all they're willing to to throw some shots and that's kind of what happened for Nebraska this year this year's quote on Nebraska is pretty juicy and it's made the rounds on social media uh and I have some thoughts on it but let me first read it read it to you and then we'll we'll kind of unpack it all so here is again this is an opposing Big Ten coach and his thoughts on Nebraska and again this is anonymous so here we go this is in the Athlon College Football Preview Magazine anonymous coach sizing up Nebraska uh this here's a quote it says in their division Nebraska still has the best looking roster we call it the all bus team because they look better than anyone else in the west in pregame Long, tall dudes, really athletic. And then after a quarter or so, you stop worrying because they're usually hurting themselves. They struggle with turnovers. They struggle with technique. I think it's a culture issue. Defensively, they've improved, but they lost some of their better guys to eligibility and they filled it with transfers. We ask ourselves a lot, what's going on there? Because they're pulling in good talent and have the resources and the administration seems to have faith in this staff. With the new OC and the do-or-die mentality, they have to manage the summer really well and find the right quarterback. My guess is that Mark Whipple is going to take over the room. He's a headstrong guy. The biggest thing they need to do is get the offensive line to a point where they can run the ball long enough to let the defense breathe. That defense isn't the problem. They were solid as hell at times. The offense just needed to stay on the field and not burn quick possessions, not go tempo and get desperate because you're playing from behind. Obviously, this is a big year for them. They're talented enough, but is there some kind of mental block there? If they can't come, 
if they can't come out and win and show some signs that they can build around what they're doing, this is probably it. Oh boy, lot of lot of things that were very interesting in, in that long paragraph long quote. So let me start by addressing the the there really was a, a lot in that quote. Most of it I agree with. And it's hard to disagree with a lot of it. But let me just let me just start addressing with the one thing that that I kind of disagree with. I'm not vibing with, I'm not riding with I'm not agreeing with the the very first portion of the of the quote of the whole all bus team. I just maybe I need to get down to the field, be at the 50 yard line, walk up and down during warmups and size up both teams and all that, but I just don't believe that to be true. I just don't. I don't believe in this idea that Nebraska is the all bus team. I just don't buy in that I don't believe that Nebraska is somehow way more talented and way bigger and way stronger and way more athletic than everyone in the division. I mean, if that I'm not watching the same team as whoever said that. If that if that I'm we're watching different teams. Now I'm not saying Nebraska is void of talent and void of bodies and void of athleticism, but this notion that Nebraska's too deep is just overflowing with just woof dogs talking raw, real, drenched athletically gifted dudes. I just don't, I don't, I'm not buying into the two day, two deep is overflowing with incredible talent and incredible athletes. It's just inaccurate to me. I don't, I don't see that and haven't seen that at all. Maybe, maybe this year with some of these new transfers, it'll look a little different. Trey Palmer walking around, O'Shawn Mathis walking around. Maybe things will look a little different. I just don't see that. I've thought for years that Nebraska has lacked top shelf talent for a while. I, I think it's been one of the, the ongoing issues. I think we sometimes talk till we're blue in the face about a lot of different things when some of this comes back to raw, difference-making, elite talent. So, again, hear me. I'm, I'm not saying Nebraska is void of talent. But to me, and listen, you guys listening to this can disagree with me. To me, when I, when I have sat down and turned on the TV and – I look at Nebraska when they're playing Purdue or, or Illinois, for instance. Their players look exactly the same as Nebraska's to me. I don't see a big difference between those two rosters. Like when, when Nebraska's playing against Illinois, when Nebraska, I, I'm to me, very, very, very similar. And in some cases, I've actually felt like sometimes certain rosters, like Purdue's rosters, looked a little better. They didn't have Nebraska doesn't have Karloftis, that good pass the good pass rusher. They don't have the 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 one good wide receiver Purdue's had that last couple of years that that name escapes me. I, I so that's the one thing when I read the quote. The first thing sometimes when it's you agree with everything and there's one thing that stands out that you don't, you kind of focus on that one. That's the one thing I'll push back on. Nebraska being this all bus team, I think that's bullshit. I don't I don't see that at all. I think that's a little bit of of and I, to be honest with you, I don't think that this coach needed to bring that up to make his point. Like, I almost think that's to kind of hype up all the other things. Like, man, I tell you what, they're loaded with talent. And I'm like, really? I mean, again, if that were true, where have all these NFL draft picks been? I mean, all of a sudden, finally Nebraska got a couple of second rounders this year. Other than that, boy, it has been like they've been having nobody drafted. Or they get a, a fifth, sixth round guy. 
So first thing in that quote that I, I, I push back on that. But everything else in this, this whole paragraph long quote, pretty much spot on. Pretty much spot on. And, you know, reading it, I couldn't help but cringe a couple of times just being a Nebraskan and a Nebraskan native, and I'm sure a lot of y'all are the same way with, with hearing some of this, this stuff. The, the whole part of the quote where he says, quote, you stop worrying after a quarter because they're usually hurting themselves, you're just like, ugh, that one hurts. But you know what? It's exactly right. It Doesn't it kind of seem like – now, a lot of these teams are kind of inherently built this way with how they kind of approach games, ball control – don't beat themselves kind of teams. But it does seem like a lot of teams in the West Division just play – they play this game with Nebraska where they just play solid, simple football and just wait for Nebraska to hand them the game. Right? Minnesota, Illinois, Iowa, Purdue, Northwestern. A lot of those teams, there's this feeling of – with, with with them where they're like, just wait, be patient. Nebraska's going to eventually throw up on themselves and hand you the game. I – and that's a man. I remember as a player in, in in high school for sure, but even in college, there were without question there were teams you played where you you wanted to draw them in a tournament, the state tournament. You wanted to draw them because you knew there was just this inevitable implosion that was coming, and all you had to do was be there when it happened. And it's frustrating that. That team that we're talking about is now Nebraska. The other quote that jumped out to me was something that I, I, I probably don't talk enough about for this upcoming year and really the, some of the issues of, of last year and years past is, was about the offensive line. This quote, I thought, nailed it. Where it says, quote, the biggest thing they need to get is that offensive line to a point where they can run the ball long enough to let the defense breathe. The defense isn't the problem. They were solid as hell at times. The offense just needed to stay on the field and not burn quick possessions, not go tempo, and get desperate because you're playing from behind. Spot on. It it comes back to the offensive line in a lot of ways. The offensive line might hold the key to all of this. For as much as we talk about Casey Thompson and Osha Mathis and Mark Whipple and a special teams coach and all these new skill transfer guys, it all might not matter if the offensive line doesn't take a big, big step forward. This episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Father's Day is here, and there isn't a better gift than Omaha Steaks. Visit omahasteaks.com. Type Nick Baugh, N-I-C-K-B-A-H-E, in the search bar and save over 50% when you order the Dads Want Steaks package. For just $99, this limited-time package includes 16 mouth-watering entrees. Your dad, that dad in your life, he's guaranteed to love, like smoky, tender, bacon-wrapped filet mignons, gourmet jumbo franks, and their air-chilled boneless chicken breasts. And for a sweet finish, delicious caramel apple tartlets. Let me tell you, the jumbo franks, the caramel apple tartlets, about as good as it gets. And as a special gift for my listeners, when you type Nick Baugh in the search bar and order the Dad's One Steaks package, you'll also get eight free Omaha Steak Burgers. 
Seriously, you can't beat the value of this package. It's never too late to send dad Omaha steaks. Grilling season is officially here and a perfect time to share delicious food with the ones you love and make memories. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Nick Baugh into the search bar and save over 50% when you order the Dad's One Steaks package for just 99 bucks. You'll get 16 entrees and four desserts plus eight free Omaha steak burgers. Order today. That's omahasteaks.com. Keyword, Nick Baugh. The offensive line's inability to run the ball consistently, protect the quarterback, and play clean, penalty-free football without false starts, without holdings, all those kinds of things. And like the coach was saying, just give the defense a break. Probably was as big or arguably the biggest reason why Nebraska failed last year. We were talking about special teams, turnovers, all that. Like some of it was the offensive line, or maybe a lot of it was the offensive line. And what's hard is I know the offensive line isn't necessarily fun to talk about and discuss on podcasts, but in some ways, the key to this whole thing lies there. And one of the things that's concerning is, you know, you lose Jurgens who was Nebraska's best offensive line, Teddy Prohaska coming off that injury, your hope, it's all signs point to him rehabbing well, but you you hope, this is where, I, I, I wrote this down the other day, I was going to do a whole podcast of like people with the most pressure on them heading into next year. You could, you could make a case that Donovan Riola has the most pressure on him of any coach on the staff. You could make that argument. That he's got to get this group to take a a noticeable, sizable, tangible leap. Where they can blow people off the ball, they can run the ball consistently, they can protect the quarterback, they're not the group that's leading the way with penalties like they were last year. Remember the start of that Oklahoma game? Just, what was it, two or three, two false starts to start the game? It just And that was routine. So, again, I know the offensive line doesn't make for super fun, sexy, great discussion podcast, but, man, is it important. But overall, you know, this anonymous anonymous quote really can get kind of summed up like this. Nebraska has to quit shooting themselves in the foot, improving the offensive line, and get over whatever this mental hurdle or mental hump in finding a way to win is. It's really that simple, right? Cut down on the mistakes, improve in the trenches, become a team that finds a way to win instead of a team that finds a way to lose. Which, you know, obviously then will begin the process of them getting situationally confident collectively in big crunch time moments instead of the opposite of what has taken place over the last handful of years. And again, you hope the, – the one thing that's good of all the new, the influx of new, that I've talked about a ton in these podcasts where we have 15 new transfers, five new coaches. The one good thing of, the, of, of all the new is you hope all the new doesn't – they're not – they don't have to have to bear the cross and and have the 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 ghosts of all the failures of the years past in their brains because they haven't been around here. Mark Whipple hasn't been around here, right? Casey Thompson hasn't been around here. Trey Palmer hasn't been around here. So I mean, setting it just really comes cut down the mistakes, improve in the trenches, be, become a team that finds a way to win. Setting everything else aside, those things have to improve. Those things have to improve. 
So Athlon does a nice job with their preview magazine, and I've always, I've always enjoyed the anonymous quote, the anonymous quote section. I think you get, you really sometimes can get some some real raw info when you read those things. So th- I thought that one was really good. We'll see if Nebraska has the answer to all of those issues that that anonymous coach pointed out. Really good. Next topic. Uh, so I've talked about this uh, to to Bo to Bo Root on a pod, but Steve Sipple has now multiple times in different settings, different radio shows, different 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 media situations, when asked about what win total Scott Frost needs to get next year to keep his job, and. Steve Sipple's line time and time again has been, if I'm Frost, I'm telling my staff, we better get to eight wins, boys. We better get to eight wins. And for me, and again, I don't have to relitigate my whole take that I initially had on it. I disagreed with that. I was surprised to hear that. To me, eight, really? It's a team that's had four straight losing seasons, won three games last year, and all of a sudden they got to get to eight just to to keep their job? For me, I've... I've always felt like they just got to get to a bowl game. They got to get to six wins. I think they could even get to a bowl game and lose that bowl game and be six and seven, and they're probably coming back. Again, for me, my whole thing was Trev told you in a roundabout way, like, I'm not firing this guy unless it is a it is totally 1,000% obvious. So, for me, I've always felt like it was get to six wins and Frost is coming back with the obvious variable being how the wins and losses look. Because think about it. There were nine-win Pelini seasons that you walked away from going, man, something feels wrong with the program. And then you look at last year for Nebraska with Frost, they go three and nine, and for some people, you walked away feeling like, man, Nebraska feels really close to being a good football team. So again, it goes without saying how the games, how the wins, how the losses look matter. And as I've stated my case again on this topic with Bo, I think if Frost gets to six wins, he's coming back. Because like I said, I think Trev let you into his mindset with the fact that he brought Frost back after a three and nine season in year four. He basically, he again, he kind of told you in his justification for why of like, hey, man, I want this to work with Frost, and unless it's 1,000% obvious, I'm going to be real slow to pull the trigger. And then when you combine that with the staff changes, impressive staff changes, most notably Mark Whipple and Mickey Joseph, I can see I can see a narrative where after even a 6-6 six and six season, some people are saying, you got to give this new staff another chance at it. You got to give them another crack at it. Give them a full year to recruit, continue to coach up, develop the program, implement their system, yada, yada, yada. That is also a factor in this thing. So, again, my thought is six wins, seven wins for sure. Frost is back. So, when Steve Sipple says, hey, better get to eight wins, boys, I have kind of scratched my head at that. To the point where, like, I really respect Sip. I love listening to Sip. I value his perspective. You're talking about a guy that's been involved in covering the program for a very long time. So I value his his opinion on it. So I've just, I've really, like, taken it to heart and thought about it. To the point where I threw this topic at Matt Schick on the Schick and Nick pod that everybody should listen to as well. Shouts out to Matt Schick. And I threw it at Schick. 
and, and just said, hey, what do you think of this? This whole, Steve Simple thinks it needs to be eight wins for Frost to come back. And Schick had a great thought that I hadn't really considered in trying to understand that eight-win number being the number that Stip pointed out. And, and Schick's point was this. Sometimes a part of unpacking a, a final record is figuring out who you beat and who you lost to. That should matter on some level. You can win six, seven games and beat nobody of substance. You can also lose six, seven, eight games, and they're all to really, really good teams. Case in point, Nebraska last year in some ways. I think that was also a factor in how people assess the 3-9 and schedule. Nebraska arguably played the toughest schedule in the country at Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, at Wisconsin, Iowa. Yes, Nebraska lost those games, but it ain't exactly like Nebraska was losing to Roast Beef State, Lucky Charms Tech, and Eggo Waffle University here. So the flip side of that is who did you beat to get to the six or seven wins? And when you look at Nebraska's schedule, the first six games of the season outside of Oklahoma coming to Memorial Stadium, pretty doable, pretty manageable, pretty light relatively speaking. I mean, look at it. Northwest, open the season Northwestern in Ireland. Nebraska beat Northwestern 56-7 to last year, and they're favored by 9.5. Nebraska is. Then to play, Nebraska plays North Dakota, then Georgia Southern, then, yes, they welcome Oklahoma into Lincoln, then Indiana, and then they're at Rutgers. Nebraska will be favored in every game except possibly Oklahoma, or at least would be right now heading into the season. And even with that Oklahoma game, it's like, listen, Nebraska was right there with Oklahoma last year. In some ways felt like they were the better team, should have won the game. And who knows exactly what Oklahoma will look like. They have a coaching change. Lincoln Riley's not there. He's at USC. They have a new quarterback. Point being, there are some people who aren't Husker homers who say Nebraska could easily start the season 5-1. and one. And entertaining that notion, let's say Nebraska starts 5-1 and one or 4-2. and two. If Nebraska were to then finish 6-6, six and six, like I'm saying, just got to get six wins. That would mean Nebraska would finish the year going one and five or two and four. Which isn't the kind of finish you want. And it can certainly sour the mood of the season, the good vibes of the season, the upward trajectory of the program. But more importantly, it would be a great case study of digging in to who did you beat? Because if if Nebraska in this hypothetical starts five and one, ends one and five, let's just just go down this road with me for a second. The final six games would be one and five versus Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois. 
that's a that's a better competition barometer of where the program's at, where things are at, than obviously North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Northwestern Indiana, and Rutgers. So if it were to unfold like that, Nebraska Nebraska's wins would be kind of meh. And it would it would lose to the meat of the schedule. It would finish on quite a thud. If Nebraska were to finish the year one and five, maybe six and six looks and feels different. Which is an interesting point from Schick. Again, staying down this road here. Assuming Nebraska can start off strong given the schedule, start five and one or four and two. Maybe six and six isn't near as impressive or feel near as good as just saying six and six as a record would indicate. So I, I found that interesting from Schick when kind of digging deeper into the amount of wins necessary for Frost to keep his job. When you kind of view it that way, and listen, I know I'm doing some major massaging and framing and, well, a, a hypothetical this and what if this. But I can understand that rationale of eight when laying it out in that way. Now, again, I still will stick with six wins gets Frost another year. Bowl game to me is progress. You've upgraded the staff. I think six wins earns the narrative of giving them another year to keep on building. So, again, I will stick with six wins. We'll get Frost back. But I think Sip's answer and Schick's point make for an interesting food for thought. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. thought that was really, really interesting to unpack. Next topic here. So, you know, ESPN a few weeks back ranked every every quarterback situation in college in tiers. And naturally, I was, you know, you pull up this article and you think to yourself, okay, where, how, where, do, where does ESPN, where do they see Nebraska's quarterback situation? And then you kind of go, well, where do they also see Adrian Martinez? Right? You can't escape the Martinez thing right now, at least. ESPN and their quarterback rankings in tiers. They put Adrian Martinez in tier number seven. And the whole kind of justification in their elaboration of, of Adrian Martinez and how they saw him was Adrian Martinez is not is way better than you think. 
he ha- he was in a bad situation at Nebraska. And the stat they threw out there that I've thrown out to Bo in pods is Adrian Martinez was pressured on 42% of his dropbacks, which was the most in the country. They kind of used that anecdote to kind of prove the point of like, listen, this dude had no O-line. He was under duress. He's way better than you think. If he gets a slightly better situation around him, he's a pretty good quarterback. So they put Adrian Martinez in tier number seven. And they put the Nebraska quarterback situation in tier number 14. So pretty, that's a pretty sizable difference between the two. Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy, tier number 14. So here's my take. Listen, this ranking may be spot on. Martinez may be better than the Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, Logan Smothers combination. And even with that said, Nebraska might have a better record this next year and get more out of what they need from that quarterback spot. Weird, right? Raw talent. Martinez is crazy talented. He's fast. He's elusive. He's big. He's hard to bring down. He's got a good arm. I mean, raw talent. This dude's got it. I tell you right now, I think he's probably more talented than both Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy. Again, keyword, probably. But here's the thing. It's not about that for Nebraska this year, in my opinion. Raw talent at that quarterback spot. I could argue that Nebraska will get an upgrade in quarterback play and at the quarterback position by simply cutting down on turnovers and delivering in the clutch a few different times. Nebraska would gladly take that, cutting down on turnovers, delivering in clutch moments, over all-world talent plays. And that was kind of the, the crux of the Martinez conundrum. Martinez would and could make the all-world, holy shit, talent play, but then struggle on the routine, simple play. Shallow crosser, here comes a wide-open guy, miss him. But then he'll shake off a rusher and then fire a dart 30 yards down into a tight window, and you're like, whoa. Wide-open guy, miss him. So it was Martinez could make the all-world not too many other guys could make that play, play, but then would struggle with the simple one. And then, again, this is coming from a guy that was a Martinez defender for a lot of the time he was here. Martinez, unfortunately, kind of had a knack in a bad way for the horrible timing, back-breaking turnover or back-breaking mistake. Right at the end of the half against Illinois, fumbles, Illinois scoops it up for six. Obviously, driving against Michigan, fumbles, ball game. Had a sil- uh, just, he, he's kind of had that, unfortunately, like right when you need him to really come through, he kind of has always made that backbreaking mistake. So it's an interesting thing to assess, right? Like Nebraska could be, again, I don't know. We got we to see it. Nebraska could be sacrificing a little talent and raw playmaking for hopefully more steady and solid and simple. Who knows? 
But here's the thing. What a lot of this comes down to, and this is the reality for quarterbacks that we oftentimes fail to really consider. How good is the offensive line? How good are the weapons? How good is even the special teams to keep them in good manageable field position situations and even getting points by making field goals? Like, if if Nebraska's pass protection and O-line is shaky again, you, you heard the stat. Again, pressure on 42% of the dropbacks. Then Nebraska could really miss Martinez. But if things are a little better in pass pro and the weapons around them are a little better, and the special teams is just goes from like complete turd sandwich to like okay, just okay. You maybe don't need spectacular. You need solid. So this is a very layered thing. And to be fair, we don't know what we don't know. We know what Martinez is, at least at Nebraska. We've seen that story. We know what that what that movie looks like. We know what that that episode looks like. What we don't know is how how will Casey Thompson be in this Mark Whipple offense? You know, Chubba Purdy doesn't have any starting experience to base anything off of, but the guy was a four star, just like Martinez. How far apart are Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy to Adrian Martinez? Maybe not as much as you think. But who knows? And again, time will tell. But on paper, I get ESPN ranking Martinez above the Nebraska quarterback situation. But what's interesting is Nebraska could end up being better overall despite that. Very, very interesting. A Huda Media Production.